Welcome everybody to another great installment of Calvary Christian Center. We pray that today's message encourages you and inspires you like never before. So sit back, grab your notes, your notepad, and enjoy this message live from Calvary Christian Center. Thanks, Pastor Josh. Man, I have been so excited about spending this time with you in the Word. It is really the highlight of my week to be able to break bread with you and feed you the word of the Lord. Now, in light of all that's been going on, I really feel like the Lord has laid it on my heart to talk to you for a few minutes about where we are on God's prophetic timetable. Now, I remember when I was growing up, anytime the preacher talked about hell or prophecy or the tribulation or the rapture, man, I got saved for the 42nd time. Because the truth is, I was always afraid because I wasn't where I needed to be with the Lord. And if you're not where you need to be with the Lord, the coming of the Lord can seem like a, a, a terrible thing. The, the prospect of the tribulation can seem very intense. But if you know Jesus, a message like this shouldn't chill you or make you afraid. It should thrill you and make you excited. Because the truth is, I believe in the coming of Jesus. I believe in the rapture of the church. And I want to take a few minutes and talk to you today along these lines. Training for tribulation, question mark. It's what we've been seeing over the last several months. Could this possibly be training for tribulation? Is this the beginning of the end? Is this thing winding up? And I want to look uh, first at Matthew 24. And if you read the entirety of Matthew 24, Jesus is talking to his disciples about these very days. He's talking about these very times in which we are living because I believe, honestly, that we could very well be the final generation. We could be the generation that hears the trumpet blast. We could be the generation that welcomes Jesus back. We could be the generation that experiences the rapture. But Jesus gives his disciples instructions and tells them things that would be going on in Matthew 24. And I want you to note the third verse. The Bible says, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Again, I'm talking today about training for tribulation. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Bless us, God, and excite us and ignite us anew about the rapture and the coming of Jesus. We love you and we thank you for your word. We magnify your holy name. Through Jesus we pray, amen. Now there have been several things that have been significant to me personally as I've been paying attention to this pandemic. And as I share this, I, even in the inception, I want you to understand that I am in no way downplaying the tragedy of COVID-19 and the heartache that it has brought in people's lives. I, I know personally many who have fought for their lives. I, I know folks who have passed away, and it's been very intense. In fact, I was preaching at a large church just before this 
uh, outbreak manifested on a national scale. And the week after I was there, a man came in and he was infected with the virus and it swept through that church and many of those precious people, they were infected. They had over 50 in the hospital at one time and a dozen of those folks that attended that church have gone on to be with the Lord. So I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that this time is not intense. And, and I'm not saying that people have not suffered, but I've really started looking at all that's going on and comparing some things. And as of Wednesday this week, there were 2,610,699 cases of the COVID virus. There have been 182,270 deaths and 714,231 folks have recovered. And really the truth is, anybody dying is too many if you ask me, especially if it's your family. It gets personal when it's someone that you love. Now, if we look at these numbers and we compare them to the current population of planet Earth, there are seven and a half billion people on the planet. Now, if you do the math, that represents 0.03% of the world's population that has been infected with the virus and 0.0025 who have actually died. Now, what I'm trying to show you is this. Because of this happening, the world has just about been shut down. Parks and restaurants and malls have all been closed. Sporting events have been canceled. International travel is all but banned. And national travel, I read this just recently, that national travel in airports, they're 96% down. The economy has been shaken all throughout the world. And even in America, it prompted a stimulus package from the government like I, I would have never imagined. And I've never seen more nations in the world on the same page. And my point is this, if COVID-19 with a worldwide mortality rate of 0024% can shut down the whole world like this, what will happen when the rapture of the church takes place? What will happen when two billion of us believers leave the planet? What in the world is gonna happen on planet Earth when in mass people are missing? And I believe in some ways, what we have seen on a very low scale has been training for tribulation. It almost seems to me like this has been dress rehearsal for things that are going to begin to happen and will happen and the panic that's going to sweep the world on a much grander scale after the rapture of the church. And let me say this right up front. I believe in the coming of the Lord. I believe in the rapture of the church. I know a lot of people don't preach it anymore and you don't hear a lot of messages about it anymore, but I stand before you today and I want you to understand from my heart that I believe that Jesus is coming back again. Hallelujah. Paul describes this event in 1 Thessalonians and even in 1 Corinthians and he talks about the rapture and the coming of Jesus. 
I, 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 there was a, a mean lady one time who told me after I had preached that I believed that the church wasn't going to go through the rapture, that I believed uh, actually that we're not going to go through tribulation, that I believe we were going to be swept out of here before the tribulation takes place. She came up to me and she said, preacher, I believe I'm going to be here for the tribulation. I looked at her and I said, I believe you are too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But praise the Lord. I believe that the church is going to be out of here. I don't believe that we're going to be in the tribulation. I believe we're going to go in the rapture because the truth is the tribulation is the wrath of God poured out on planet earth. And the reality is Jesus took the wrath of God for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. So if he's taken my wrath, man, I don't have to endure the wrath that's coming on planet earth. I'm going to go in the tribulation and so are you. Now, most Bible scholars, most serious Bible scholars agree with this statement and this fact. We are very near to the coming of the Lord. We are living in the last days. John said in 1 John 2:18, he said, little children, we are living in the last hour. John, the disciple of Christ, believed that he was living in the last hour. And if John was convinced that he was living in the last hour, church, we must be living in the last second of the last minute of the last hour. This thing is winding up. And we are nearer to the return of Jesus than ever before. And I stand before you to declare this reality now more than ever. Jesus is coming again. And there are going to be several things that will happen that will give us clues. And I believe right now, even the events that we've experienced tell us that we are getting ready for the return of the Lord and for tribulation. And could it be some of the things that we've been witnessing and seeing are actually training for tribulation? As we speed toward the end times and the rapture of the church, there will be the rise and, an appear and the appearance of a powerful world leader. It's inevitable he'll be the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 calls him the son of perdition. Again, he's the Antichrist. So, so I want you to know that the tribulation is coming. And before all this happens, though, praise God, we're going to be out of here. But I feel like my mandate is clear. I feel like today the Lord would have me encourage you but also warn you if you're not ready that we are very near to the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus is talking here in Matthew and he's foretelling of end times and his disciples are concerned and they ask three questions. They ask, when will these things be? They ask, what is the sign of your coming? They ask, what is the sign of the end of the age? They're very concerned. And you see, God quotes himself 2,500 times in the Bible about what is to come. And when God quotes himself in this way, we call this prophecy. A very simple understanding of prophecy is this. Prophecy is history of the future. Now this is powerful. Because God's word, when it prophesies and speaks prophetically to us, it's a look into the future revealing what's going to happen. And there's so many people nowadays, they don't want to hear much about prophecy. They don't want to hear about the coming of the Lord. They don't want to hear that Jesus is coming back again. 
But I want to tell you something. To disregard prophecy is to ignore one quarter of the Bible. So we're going to take a real look at prophecy today and where we are. So you see, the devil doesn't want us to talk about prophecy. The devil doesn't want us to talk about the coming of the Lord because I'm going to tell you this, Satan loses. Hallelujah. If you believe prophecy, and I do, Satan loses, but Satan despises any teaching relative to prophecy. See, Satan desires a lack of teaching on the rapture and on prophecy because it removes a sense of urgency from the church. You, you see, where and when there is no sense of urgency, the church doesn't feel compelled to do the things that it needs to do. And when we don't preach or talk about the coming of the Lord, the church loses its sense of urgency. So many churches, they don't have an urgency to win the lost. They don't have an urgency concerning spreading the gospel. But when you really believe that Jesus is coming back, when you really believe, preacher, that there is a heaven and there is a hell and there is an eternity and there is a second coming, you can't help yourself. You have to win the lost. You have to reach your city. You have to care for the dying. You have to reach those who don't know Jesus because you have a sense of urgency. But the reality is much of the church has lost her sense of urgency. She's been lulled asleep because we, we are not talking about the coming of the Lord. We must look at the condition of our world as it lines up with prophetic timeline in the Bible. And we got to recapture our sense of urgency. We've got to recapture our sense of urgency that we must win the lost. We must preach this powerful gospel with hope. Eternity hangs in the balance. We must not be at ease as it relates to the coming of the Lord. The Bible said, woe to them who are at ease in Zion. I want to tell you, this is the day when the church has got to rise up. This is the day when we've got to preach with power. This is the day when we've got to win the lost. Hallelujah. You see, where there is no sense of urgency, the atmosphere changes. Where there is no sense of urgency, the atmosphere changes. This is why in so many instances you find little or no repentance. Where there's no sense of urgency, you don't see altar calls. You don't see people being confronted about sin. Preachers don't talk about it anymore because they don't have a sense of urgency. This is why we must preach the gospel in power. Satan desires us not to be a church of expectancy. You see, much of the church has lost the expectancy of the coming of the Lord. And the devil does not want us to expect that Jesus is coming back. But I've come to tell you, I'm in your homes today to tell you that you need to expect the coming of the Lord. Jesus could come again before I even finish this message. But much of the church has lost her expectancy. Now we've become a church, watch this, of conformity. We've lost our expectancy and much of the church has traded its sense of expectancy. And now we've become a church of conformity. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conformed here means patterned after. See that the sad truth is that many have more invested here than they do in, than they do in heaven. We've got more of our heart here than we do in heaven. And so we are patterning in ourselves. We are conforming to this world, to this world's way of thinking. 
but I want you to understand that it is time for the church to shake itself and begin to, to live with a sense of expectancy that Jesus could come back anytime. We've got to preach truth. We've got to love the lost. We've got to win people to Jesus. This is our hour. There are approximately 2,500 predictions for the future in the Bible, 2,500 prophetic signs in the Bible, and 2,000 of those, 2,000 out of 2,500 have already been fulfilled. I want you to listen closely. You may think, well, I have time then. There's 500 left, but you'd be wrong. You say, well, I have time, Pastor. There's 500 left. I don't have to repent yet. No, you'd be wrong. Because really all the prophecy left to be fulfilled revolves around what will happen after the return of Christ. What I'm trying to tell you today is this, the stage is set. Every prophetic prerequisite for the rapture is in place. Jesus could come back anytime. Jesus could come back any moment. This is the last season for, before the tribulation takes place. There are no prophecies that I see revolving around the coming of the Lord and the tribulation and the end times that are yet fulfilled. So that means Jesus could come back any moment. Already 2,000 prophecies in the Bible have come to pass exactly as the Bible says. Science considers the probability of that rate of biblical prophetic accuracy impossible. They're saying it can't be a coincidence. They're saying to see prophetic fulfillment like that, it can't just be a coincidence. I'm trying to tell you, mister, this thing is real. Now, there are several things that Jesus said that are going to happen. You'll begin to see it. It'll begin to manifest just before he comes again in the clouds. The Bible said there will be wars and rumors of wars. In Mark 13, Jesus said, but when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. I was reading a while back and I read a statement that really surprised me. It said in the last hundred years, we have seen more wars than any other time since creation. We're living in a day when nation is rising against nation, when there is so much warfare going on. But listen to the, what the Word says. The Word says, see that you are not troubled. Even when we see the world in anarchy, even when we see terrorism and all the things that are going around, going on around planet Earth, we have to read our Bible, and the Bible says, see that you are not troubled. You say, Pastor, how can I watch the news and not be troubled? How can I watch CNN or MSN or, or Fox and not be troubled? Here's how you cannot be troubled. You cannot be troubled because you know that God is on your side. You cannot be troubled because you know that before this is all said and done, there is going to be a trumpet blast and you and I are going to be called out of here. So see that you are not troubled. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Matthew 24-7, Jesus said something else is going to happen. He said there'll be wars and rumors of wars, but he said there will be earthquakes in diverse places. Diverse means varied. It means unusual. It means there's going to be earthquakes in places that there used to didn't be earthquakes, and I've seen that, and so have you. That earthquakes have manifested in unusual places. 
As this thing winds up, we're going to see a more frequency in earthquakes, and, and these earthquakes are going to manifest in unusual places. Since 1948, the year Israel became again a nation fulfilling prophecy from Hosea 9:10. Watch this now. There has been a 2,000% increase in the frequency and intensity of earthquakes. Something's happening, y'all. Even this old world realizes it's shaking. It's groaning. The old world realizes something's going on. And hear me, while the earth is shaking, while we're having earthquakes, it's time for the church to shake. While the earth is shaking with earthquakes, it's time for the church to shake with the Holy Ghost power of God. While the earth is shaking, it's time for the church to start shaking. It's time for the church to shake with revival. It's time for the church to shake with power. It's time for the church to shake with a great awakening, with the presence of God, and with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If you study your Bible, and I'm just kind of sharing with you things that are already in place, earthquakes, wars, and rumors of wars. But a while back I read that something very unusual has taken place in the Middle East that it lines right up with prophecy. You see, in the end times, an army connected to the kings of the East will march into the Middle East at the Battle of Armageddon, and, and they'll march right across the Euphrates River, and it will dry up right before them, according to Revelation 16, 12. Now remember, this text was written thousands of years ago. And the question is, how could the mighty Euphrates dry completely up and a massive army march, march right across that dry riverbed? And I was reading that dams have now been built giving Turkey the ability to completely dam up the Euphrates River. Are you ready for this? A while back, they stopped the river up for a month to fill up a reservoir. And where that river flowed, it was as dry as a bone. 2,000 years ago, this was not possible. 2,000 years ago, this could not have happened. But today, this thing is winding up. Everything is getting in place for the coming of the Lord. That's why the church must have a sense of urgency. That's why we got to believe that Jesus is coming again. We got to preach the rapture. We got to believe the rapture. We got to believe that when we preach, about the coming of the Lord that people will come into the kingdom in a mighty way because they need to make it to heaven. See, this thing is winding up. Isaiah 27 says, in days to come, Jacob will take root. Jacob is Jerusalem and Israel will bud and blossom and fill the world with fruit. What are you saying? You, you know, many of you, that Israel had been scattered abroad. But in 1948, Israel became a nation. But prior to Israel becoming a nation, from Jerusalem to Galilee was barren and sparsely settled. It was a dry, dry, desolate desert. But the scripture said that Israel will bud. The scripture said that Israel will blossom and fill the world with fruit. I wanna tell you something. Prior to Israel again becoming a nation, it was dry. 
I've been on that route from Jerusalem to Galilee many times. And in those days, it was dry, but not today. Not anymore. Since 1948, more than 200 million trees have been planted. Since 1948, the desert has bloomed. Israel now provides the majority of all citrus, all citrus fruit consumed by the Europeans in Europe. You see, this was impossible even a generation ago. But the Bible declared that the desert would bloom. And if you ride through that desert now, it's not a desert anymore. It's full of trees. It's full of citrus trees and date trees. It's an amazing thing to see. You're saying, Pastor, how do you know? I've seen it many times with my own eyes thousands of years ago. This was not possible. No one could have ever imagined it, but the prophet knew. The prophet knew because God had spoken to him. The prophet knew that it would happen and in a generation. It has come to pass. It was predicted thousands of years ago, but today it's a reality. Luke 21, Jesus is talking and he says, there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth in distress of nations with perplexity. Watch this. And the seas and the waves roaring. What's that? That's tsunamis. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. That's storms. You see, as we approach the coming of the Lord, storms will become increasingly worse. There have been a record number of tropical storms, hurricanes, tsunamis, and tornadoes since the 1990s. Now, I live in Florida. I've lived in and around the water all my life. All but except a couple of years of my life, I lived in the Bahamas. And the truth is, growing up, I really have no recollection of any severe hurricane that hit where I was living. But yet, now, since I've become a grown man living in the Daytona Beach area, there have been hurricane seasons where we have endured three hurricanes in one season that struck our city. So you see, the Bible is talking. It said these things would intensify. The Bible is talking. The question is not does God's word speak. The question is, are we listening? Are we hearing the truth that Jesus is getting ready to come again? The Bible said in Romans 8, 21, because of, the, of creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know, watch this. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. What are these natural disasters? What are these things that are going on? Even the world is saying, I want to be delivered. Even the world, even the creation is saying things are out of whack. Things are not right. And I want to tell you, if the world knows it, if creation knows it, then the church needs to know it. The church needs to know that there needs to be a Savior and a Redeemer and a Healer and a Provider. We got to preach Him. We got to declare Him. We got to give Him to a world that needs Him and then the end will come. The Bible said this gospel, this gospel, this hope giving, life changing, family saving, body healing, mind blowing gospel shall be preached to the ends of the earth and then, then the end will come. 
Oh, it would seem impossible that the gospel could be preached to the ends of the earth, wouldn't it? In the times when, when that text was written, it seemed like an improbability, impossibility. But yet today, I can stand on a stage in Daytona Beach and preach live the gospel of the king around the world. See, this world wants to be delivered. As you study your Bible, prophetically, Jesus said famine and pestilence will become commonplace. The Bible said there'll be great earthquakes in Luke 21 in various places and famine and pestilence and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Revelation 6, 8 says, so I look and behold a pale horse and the name who sat on him was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death and by the beast of the earth. This thing is winding up. Tribulation is going to manifest. And right now, could it be that we are in training for tribulation? You say, well, pastor, how can this be? When you read, it says that there will be those that die from hunger. There have been more deaths from famine since 1950 than any other time in history. We live in a world that is so connected, but yet people are still starving to death. When it comes to sicknesses, old diseases are gaining the upper hand and new diseases are appearing regularly. We know this to be true with COVID-19. This is something on a large scale that we can handle, but could you imagine if there was a pandemic that really hit the earth that we could not handle? Think about it. After the rapture takes place, more things will happen. Economies will be destroyed. I'm talking about a worldwide economic disaster. I was studying this week and just doing some reading this week. And as I read, I, I was so taken by the fact that it used to be that different parts of the world economically survived independent of one another. After World War II, America experienced a great time of prosperity while Europe went into an incredible time of recession and poverty. But now our economies are linked worldwide because of stock markets and things like that. Our economies are linked worldwide. So as we race toward the end of the age, one of the things that's going to happen after, after the rapture of the church, economies are going to crumble on a worldwide scale. Can you imagine what's going to happen? Can you imagine what's going to happen as, as, as maybe more than 2 billion people are taken from planet Earth? Can you imagine when every born-again truck driver is taken from the planet, taken from America. Every farmer is taken from America that knows Jesus. Every born-again grocery supplier that knows Jesus is gone. Can you imagine the problem that it will create for the supply line? The Bible said there will come a day when a piece of, when, when bread would cost you an entire day's wages just to, to, to have a piece of bread, you're going to have to work all day long. Can you imagine what that day is going to look like when, when economies have crumbled, when supply lines have broken down, when stores are empty? You think the toilet paper was a problem? Honey, when that happens, there's not going to be anything on the shelves, nothing to buy, nothing to get a hold of. It's going to be a time like no other. 
Famine is going to sweep the world. Famine is going to hit planet Earth like never before. Millions will be infected with sickness and viruses. If you study God's Word, you'll find out that it said that, that they were at this place, that we will come to a place where drug uses will be at another level. Watch this now. Drugs. And even now, drug usage is on the rampage on a world on the rampage on a, at a worldwide scale. I read a recent statistic that declared drug usage is up 141% among American teens. And the Bible knew this was coming. And the Bible says in Revelations 9:21, they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries. Look at the word sorceries or their sexual immoralities. This is all the things that will show us that we are getting ready for the tribulation. I want you to look at something very interesting. The word sorceries here is the Greek word pharmakeos. It's where we get our English word pharmacy. And what the Bible is saying here, it's saying they did not repent from their prescription drug use, their pharmacy. Their, their drug use. And what I see here really, honey, is prescription drug abuse. Because nowadays, even though we see heroin addicts and crack addicts, one of the most intense things that people are dealing with is what they get from their pharmacy. They're, 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 they're losing their families. They're losing their children. They're losing their ways because they are addicted to prescription drugs. And the Bible saw this coming and said they did not repent of their drug abuse. And then it said, nor their sexual immorality. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We live in a day when anything is okay. Any kind of sexual desire is okay. It doesn't matter if it's same sex. It doesn't matter what it is. You can do anything and it doesn't matter. God is okay with it. But the truth is the Bible said there would come a day when they would not repent even from their sexual immorality. Hear me now. We are training for tribulation. The Bible said all these things would happen. Daniel said many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. In those days the thought of a man being able to run to and fro across the planet seemed impossible. But yet today I can get in a plane in Orlando. Come on now. I can get in a plane in Orlando and I can be in the Middle East. I can be in Jerusalem in 12 hours, in 10 hours, in 11 hours. Mark Twain did that trip years ago and it took him three months. See, this thing is winding up. And then the Bible said that knowledge will increase. I was studying a while back and I read that man's knowledge the first time took 1,450 years to double. Now it doubles every two years. And scientists are now predicting that in the coming years, man's knowledge could double every few months. Listen, with all this knowledge, man still cannot discern the signs of the times. Jesus is coming back again. We could very well right now be training for tribulation. Oh, come on, let me go just a little bit deeper. There's so much more that we can talk about from people being chipped, come on. 
You can have a chip placed in you and you can be monitored and every move you make is going to be monitored. They actually have a dye now that they can place in vaccines and it'll be visible and when you place your hand or your, or your arm underneath an infrared light, they can tell whether or not you've had certain immunizations. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I don't know for sure what all this means, but I do know that the Antichrist will absolutely control every part of humanity. And this is another way you see control becoming a reality. Think of being tracked on your every move. What does this all mean? I'm trying to tell you, I think this means we are training for tribulation. One of the things, one of the strongest clues that I see, one of the strongest clues that I see that tells me that Jesus is coming again. What's this now? It's the rise of the apostate church. It's the rise of the church that will compromise so much that they will not make it in the rapture and they will set up the opportunity for the Antichrist to seize power. Paul and Jude both, Paul the great follower of Jesus who was radically changed. Paul talked about it and so did Jude the half-brother of Jesus. Paul wrote his young son Timothy, his protege in ministry and he said to him in 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. Are you hearing me? They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Paul said, Timothy, in the last days, there'll be people who won't want to hear sound doctrine. They won't want to hear the truth of God's word. So what will they do? One translation said, they will heap up teachers. They will heap up preachers who will sell them what they want to hear. And I want to tell you, there's always a preacher if you give him enough money, he will tell you what you want to hear. There's always a preacher who will sell out and tell you what you want to hear. But I want to let you know I love you with all my heart. I want to see you make it to heaven. I love you with everything that's inside of me. But the message that I preach is not for sale. I'm telling you I cannot just stand before people and preach to them just what they want to hear. Heaven and hell hang in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance. I don't care how much money you got. When you really have something inside of you that cannot be bought or sold, God has not called me to scratch itching ears. Oh, you better hear me today. God never called me to be popular. God didn't call Jim Ray to be popular. He called me to be an overcomer. And he called me to preach a gospel that raised up overcomers. The Bible said in the last days, that there will be those who couldn't handle Bible preaching. Don't tell me my sexual preference is wrong. Don't tell me my behavior is wrong. Don't tell me sin is sin. Let me give you an offering and tell me what I want to hear. Jude said they would come. And Jude said that they would creep in. Come on. One chapter in Jude. He said they will creep in. 
It literally means they'll come in sideways. They'll stop preaching the truth of God's word and they'll sneak in. And the Bible said they'll do it unnoticed. He said people will be so lost. Jude said people will be so desirous of hearing what they want to hear that they won't even notice that the message has been polluted and it's not even the message of the gospel anymore. Jude goes on to say that the apostate church will not deny the lordship of Jesus. They will deny Jesus and they will deny his lordship. What does that mean? That means they, they, they won't believe that the cross is necessary to salvation. They'll arise a generation and we are seeing it even today. They say you don't need the cross of Jesus Christ to be saved. They'll deny his lordship. They'll deny his finished work. I want to tell you that before the church ever becomes anti-Christ, it first becomes anti-cross. They'll rise up and they'll deny Jesus and they'll deny his lordship. They'll deny that he's the savior of the world and they'll tell you anyway is fine. Then Jude said that they'll literally pervert grace. What does that mean? That means they'll take grace for a license to sin. They'll say, I can do whatever I want to do. It, that my life does not have to line up morally, spiritually, or any other way with the word of God. I don't have to submit to his word. And we are living in that day. We're living in that day where people no longer want to hear that sin is sin. And we need a redeemer. The next characteristic of the apostate church that will show us that we are training for tribulation is that the apostate church will reject authority and insist on their own way, even if it's sinful. Jude said this is going to come to pass and we are seeing it with our eyes. And here's what Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, said. He said, these are spots in your love feast. These are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear. They come to our churches and they never feel conviction. <laughs> They never hear about the rapture of the church. They never hear about the saving gospel of Jesus Christ because they believe that they are fine the way they are. There's not enough love in the house. There's not enough hope in the house. So they sit without fear, serving only themselves. And here's what these become. He said, they are clouds without water. They are carried, they are carried away about by the winds, laid autumn trees without fruit. They are twice dead and pulled up by the roots. 
He said they have teachers who don't have any power. These teachers are clouds without water. They are trees without fruit. I don't want to be a preacher who is a cloud without water. I don't want to be a preacher who is a tree without fruit. I want my ministry and my life to be covered with the rain of God. I want to bear fruit in my life. I want to raise up people who are more than clouds without rain, who are more than trees without fruit, twice dead and pulled up by the roots. What good is a cloud without rain? It may look good. What good is a tree without fruit? It may look good. I don't care how good our churches look. I don't care. I don't care how cool our churches are. If it's full of people, but we are clouds without rain and trees without fruit, we can help nobody. The church that is full of clouds without rain and trees without fruit, this is the church. Watch this now. That most definitely is training for tribulation. But see, there's gonna be two churches in the last days. There's gonna be two lanes in the last days. There's going to be the apostate church. There's going to be the compromising church. But then there will be a remnant church also known as the bride of Christ. There will be a sanctified church. There will be a burning church in revival. There will be a hungry church. There will be a Holy Ghost filled church. There will be a fire baptized spirit filled remnant church. That's the church I want to be a part of. That's the church I want to lead. The bride of Christ is the remnant church. You know what's going to mark them? Even though the apostate church has characteristics, I'm telling you the last day's bride of Christ, remnant church, has characteristics. You know what they'll do? They'll love Jesus. They're going to love Jesus, and Jesus is going to be King and Lord. He's going to be the way, the truth, and the life. There's going to be no other way to God except through Jesus. This church will desire God's Word. This church is going to want to preach in power. This church will be full of people who will say, Pastor, don't scratch my ears. Preach me truth. That will empower me to bind the devil. That will empower me to overcome the enemy. That will empower me to walk in faith. That will empower me to see miracles, signs, and wonders. See a remnant church. You may be watching me and you're a preacher. You say, I want a remnant church. What will a remnant church want? What will they desire? A remnant church will desire a remnant preacher. And I want to tell you, I want to be a remnant preacher. I want to be a preacher that preaches hope, that loves my city that loves my community enough to tell them Jesus can save you and deliver you from anything and everything that would want to bind you up. But another characteristic of the remnant church is this. Now just remember the apostate church. The apostate church, they produce clouds without rain. The apostate church produces trees without fruit. But the remnant church will produce radical, 
powerful, unstoppable disciples. I'm asking you, do you want to be a cloud without rain? Do you want to be a tree without fruit? Or do you want to be radical? Do you want to be powerful? Do you want to be unstoppable and full of the power of God? Because here's what the remnant church will do. The remnant church will change the world. The compromising church, the apostate church will conform to the world. But the remnant church will change the world. And I'm telling you, I am determined, brother. I'm determined that in my life I'm going to see revival. I'm determined that in my church I'm going to see I'm going to see a move of God. That in every city that there's a Calvary campus, there's going to be love and outpouring and power and hope and and there's going to be revival in the name of Jesus. See, the remnant church wakes cities up. It wakes families up. It wakes communities up. Because here's what the truth is. The remnant church will be ready for the return of Jesus. The remnant church will be looking for him. But while they're looking for him, they're also occupying. While they're expecting his soon return, they're getting everybody ready that they can get ready. Now I'm going to tell you, while the world is training for tribulation, the church, the remnant church, is having dress rehearsal for the rapture. I said at the beginning, and I'm going to say it again. I believe in the rapture of the church. I believe that Jesus is coming again. Paul said it like this. He said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I want you to get this because this is describing the rapture. He said, for the Lord himself. I want you to get a hold of that. This is going to happen. It could happen today. This is the rapture. The Lord himself. Very often, God would send an angel. He would send a prophet. He would send a, he would send a man to speak for him. He said, but this day is so special. I'm not going to send anybody. This day I'm coming back myself. Jesus is coming back himself. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and, the, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever always be with the Lord we shall be called up the word called up is harpazo it's faster than you can think a thought it's faster than you can blink your eyes it's faster than you can breathe a breath we'll be one moment on planet earth the next minute extraterrestrial extraterrestrial one minute we'll be here the next minute we'll be in the air Jesus is coming the question is are you ready let me tell you today, the world and the apostate church, they are preparing even unknowingly for the beginning of the end. When I see all that's happening and all that's going on, it tells me that we are preparing, the world that is, is preparing for the beginning of the end. But what about the church? What about the bride of Christ? The bride of Christ is not preparing for the beginning of the end because for the bride of Christ, it's not the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of the beginning. Church, we have so much to look forward to. I can't wait till Jesus comes again. 
I want to see my dad. I want to see my sister. I want to see Jesus. I'm excited about heaven. There's so many reasons that I'm thrilled about the coming of the Lord. Because for me, when Jesus comes again, it's not the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of the beginning. So shall we ever be with the Lord. You say, Pastor, what do you think is happening right now? I think what we've been seeing, even through COVID-19, huh, what we've been witnessing in some way is training for tribulation. And I would say to every leader, every churchman, every Christian, every believer, that while the world is training for tribulation, the church needs to be training for the rapture. We need to be preparing cities, churches, families to meet Jesus. They should not go to hell because we wouldn't preach the truth. They should not go to hell because we chose to be preachers who would scratch their itching ears rather than preaching them the hope-giving, life-changing, family-restoring gospel of Jesus. Maybe you're watching right now and maybe you're not ready to meet the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, I felt what you were saying and I believe we're probably there. And when I, when I feel like it, I'm going to get right with God. Well, the truth is, you don't get right with God on your terms. You get right with the Lord on His terms. You don't come to God on your terms. You come to the Lord on His terms. Because the Bible said no man comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Spirit. And the Spirit is drawing you right now. And if you never feel this feeling again, you will never make it to heaven. God is dealing. If you're not where you need to be with the Lord, if there's sin in your life, if there's things that keep you from Him, take your hand and place it on your heart right now. Let's all do it. Let's entire families do it right now. Pray this prayer after me. Come on, the Bible said do your first works again. Let's pray together. Pray Heavenly Father. Come on, pray it after me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that you are the Savior of the world. Forgive me for all my sins. Take my heart and wash it clean and make it new. I surrender myself to you. You are my hope and you are my life and you are my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant business, you can reach out to us at Calvary. We would love to connect you to one of our campuses to a local church in your area. Many of you have seen us. You know what we're doing. Calvary has not stopped being the church. Even through this season when we haven't met in seven Sundays in this building, we are still more the church than we've ever been. We have given away way over 100,000 pounds of food. We've taken hot meals to first responders, hot meals to elderly folks hundreds every week every single day we are somewhere doing good 
because this is what a remnant church does. I've been amazed, Calvary, at your generosity. We're going to bring up the text numbers right now. And if you want a text to give, there's a number there for Ormond. There's a number there for Palm Coast. There's a number there for NSB. Text any amount. If you want to help us with outreach, you can text outreach any amount. You want to tithe, you want to give, you'll enable us to do what God has called us to do. One thing I believe that marks the remnant church is her generosity. And I want to just say to the Calvary family and all of you who have connected to us over the last several weeks, we have been blown away by the consistency of your giving. And you have enabled us not to do less, but to do more. You could actually give online. You can go uh, give through our Calvary FL app right on your phone. All you have to do is click the icon that says give. If you want to come by here, uh, if you'd like to, to mail your giving to 1680 West Granada Boulevard, you can do that. Ormond Beach, Florida, 32174. We also have giving boxes that are locked and secure at the front of the buildings that you can give in. And we pray as you give that God will bless you. Last thing, we're, we're, we're determined that we're going to come out of this with more power, that this is a divine reset. So we've got some great things that are coming. This next week, I'm going to start a new series called House Fire. And, and until we can gather and have fire in this house, we're going to release fire in your house. Sunday morning is going to be house fire. Sunday night, our plans are, unless something shifts and we're able to change it, our plans are to meet right here for a drive-in service Sunday night at 6.30. We've even got an extra truck now. We'll have two huge screens, and I'll be preaching again from the roof of the Kids Center. It was absolutely awesome. Monday and Tuesday of next week, we'll connect with you for House Fire Revival. And then Wednesday night, evangelist Nathan Morris will come in. We'll do a grander scale of praise and worship. And we're gonna have, we're gonna have America's Prayer Meeting, House Fire Edition. So I want you to know that great things are coming. We love you, we appreciate you. I decree and declare the blessings of the Lord over your life. Two things. Number one, Pastor Josh is coming to close us out. And number two, immediately following this time, gather your kids together because we have something great for your kids to be a part of. I love you. Thankful to be a part of a remnant church. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it inspired you in every single way. For more information about Calvary Christian Center or to give, you can go to calvaryfl.com. And be sure to subscribe and like this podcast. And we will see you next week here on the Calvary FL Podcast.